This is the We Fish with Phoenix Boats podcast, built by anglers for anglers. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of We Fish with Phoenix Boats podcast. I'm your host, Tim Trockenbrook. With me, as always, is my co-host, Brian Travis, and today we are going to get the man leading the AOI charge on the line, Mr. David Mullins, and see what he's been up to and uh, how he's going to approach work. Look, I know you're excited to talk to him about the AOI charge and the season and all that, but I'm going to be honest with you. I'm ready to talk about duck hunting with him. Well, if I was a Vols fan, I'd be ready to talk about duck hunting too right now. <laughs> well, you're an Auburn fan, so you ought to be right in the same boat with me, buddy. Uh, we'll see what happens at the Iron Bowl. But, no, David is uh, – he's a big duck hunter. He's got a farm going uh, in East Tennessee. I think he's had a year or two. And uh, I kind of am a little jealous talking to him last year about how many birds they saw and the amount of bands they kill yeah. per those birds. A little depressing given our season last year. Yep. We might as well just hang it up one year and, and see what happens. But uh, – no, it's, it sounds like he's got a great place over there, and uh, I'm just excited to see what he's been up to. He's uh, he's one of those people that's very matter-of-fact and tells you how it is and what's on his mind. He's uh, he's a pretty straight shooter. He is, and, and you know he's got to be just chomping at the bits to get to Lake Fork um, and go ahead and see how this season's going to wrap up. He, you know, he, great year. Every year he's been on the tour, he's been getting better and better and better, um, and, you know, I think there's even bigger things to come in the future. Oh, absolutely. I think uh, to improve on your AOI stance every year, um, he really made a jump last year, and then to see his finishes this year, I mean, the lowest one, 46-ish or something that you follow, mm-hmm. I mean, making day three cuts every other time, that's uh, that's hard to do. Well, and, and you and I were looking at it earlier. You know, he's been 67 pro events and had 10 top 10s. I mean, that, that's pretty good stats. Yeah. That's uh, one out of six, one out of seven. I mean, you yeah. can't ask for much more than that. That's a uh, – No. If Vegas was taking bets, I, I'd – have to say i'd take the over on those oh I'd, I'd take those odds any day absolutely well let's see if we can't dial mr mullins up see what he's been up to and uh y'all stay tuned we'll be right back at phoenix boats our passion for fishing is obvious whether it's a pro event or fishing with our family and friends we truly love the sport of fishing that's why our goal is to make every single Phoenix boat that goes out the door the best fishing platform it can be in both design and construction. We love to fish as much as anyone, and we believe it shows in every boat we build. Phoenix Boats, built by anglers for anglers. All right, y'all, welcome back with us on the line. The man who is leading the AOI charge, but more importantly, our duck hunting friend from East Tennessee, Mr. David Mullins. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Man, we are glad to have you on. Uh, man, talk about this year real quick. Your success up north, your success down here, you've had a pretty solid year so far. How are you feeling? What would you grade it real quick? I feel good. Uh, I, I grade it, you know, <laughs> really well. At least, mm-hmm. a, at least a B plus anyway. Uh, if it wasn't for losing one six-pounder at, uh, at Ufala the first day, I, I would be uh, a lot more separated than what I am now, but other than that, man, I can't complain. It's been a, it's been a great year. I would have to say so. Looking at uh, what you did up there, uh, it seems like every year you've gotten better and better up north. Um, totally different, you know, fisheries than what we have down here. Um, mm-hmm. And every year you progress and improved, and really, I mean, you're a terror now. People are scared of you up there. <laughs> I don't know about all that, but I've. Uh... That was pretty much my Achilles heel for the first few years on tour is, is getting through that northern swing and uh, 
this year it was uh it finally came together and and got through all of them really well so what did you focus on anything to make any changes on that or practice anymore in the off season up there what'd you do no just you know we've been up there for so many years now i'm just kind of getting the hang of it and uh i've learned some i've learned some things to get a few bites and uh it's it's come in handy and that's about it, you know. And having live scope this year was such a big, a big advantage to whoever had it up there. And luckily, I had one, and it uh, it helped out a lot. Now, what kind of pallet do you like on your live scope up there? Uh, I use a I use a uh, orange crawfish pallet. Orange crawfish. That's what I use all the time for everything. Do you turn your trails on or off up there? I turn. I, I never have trails on. I okay. Turn. So orange crawfish. Mm-hmm. That's what I use. What do you like to run your gain at? Well, gain depending on where you're at. You know, some places are have more sediment in the water than others. Um, but I'm thinking up there, I probably have it on like seventy percent. So it's always a uh, something you got to change daily. Yeah, I mean, you come down here a little bit more sediment. You know, you might not be able to run it on sixty-two, sixty-five, and some places real clear, you might be able to run it on seventy-five. So you just kind of. You, you know, you can get it close with with one generic number, but you can really dial it in uh, playing with it. And that's what I run on. I run the run the four view on like sixty five seventy, and gain on around around sixty five to seventy as well. Excellent. I think live scope is really. I mean, we knew it was going to be a player, but this year for sure, it seems like even if you don't have a Garmin sponsorship, you're running one. I mean, it's a it's a popular hot ticket item right now. Absolutely, it's been a it's been a, a a huge tool, and like I said, especially for up north, it's uh it's uh I hate saying the cliche game changer, but it it really is. Well, you swing for the fences. It's a grinder and it's a game changer. That's th- my three favorite sayings in bass fishing right now. <laughs> a grinder. We've had that word said a lot. <laughs> Man, it was tough. It's a grind out there. And, but it's very true. It was. Uh, that fall fishing has really kind of put the playing field. Um, I think it's really leveled it out. It's it's a, a game of what you know right now, and uh, it shows. Yeah, I don't know if it's what you know or what you get lucky and get some bites on. Because <laughs> you just get bites, it seems like it goes a long way, and that's what we've been fortunate to do is just, to, is just find something that gets bites, and uh, it's carried us through three tournaments. So what's what's been your go-to this year? What's something you've had tied on since you started down in Florida, and probably just now cut off over at Chick? Uh, man, I've had a chatterbait on a lot. I think I've caught caught them on a chatterbait three tournaments this year, and that's probably been the uh, the only thing I've consistently caught them on. Uh, three out of the, I guess eight that we've had, mm-hmm. and you know, of course, drop shot probably caught them on a drop shot in Nedrig for the three or four tournaments we had up north. So it's, uh, it's been a combination, but nothing, not, there's not one bait that I've had tied on for every tournament. Well, it seems like the triple D house, uh, you drew and drew, I mean, y'all are all having killer years right now. Is there something y'all changed? Uh, is Benton cooking more is someone, uh, cleaning up a little bit better. I mean, what, what's been the secret for y'all success? Yeah, I don't know. We've had good years and it's, it's, it's nice to have, uh, roommates that you trust and um that you know is going to give you the the accurate information and not going to not going to hide anything from you and that's that's what we do we we all have a good relationship and if one of us is struggling you know we try to help the other out and i've I've been 
I've been the giver in that sometimes, and I've been the receiver sometimes. So it, it works out really well. So given this year's success and everything, you think any of your old teaching buddies were sitting in the break room watching Bass Live? Oh, I know they were. Yeah, yeah. I get uh, I get text messages after every event, you know, from either an old colleague or actually students. I had a student come to the weigh-in at Chickamauga and come down there and saw me. And So, yeah, there's people there's people definitely watch it that uh, – that used to be involved in school systems with. That's pretty cool. Oh, that's very cool. Well, uh know you're getting ready for duck season right now. Uh how's the uh how's the property turning out? What you what you been setting up this summer for it? Uh well, uh we've got a lot of corn planted. We've got a bunch of rice planted and uh we ran the uh the big water pump down there yesterday, hooked up all the hoses and got it running and started pumping water yesterday for it and uh we might have had to go to the ER, got some stitches in her head mm. while doing so, but uh, we're okay. We're not bleeding anymore, and we've, we've got some water started in the hole. So everything's looking good right now. All right, there's a story there. What happened there? Oh, uh, man, working on the excavator, and it, it fell off in a ditch sideways and trying to pull it out, raised my head too high, hit the excavator bucket teeth, and about knocked myself out, got a good puncture, and had to go get uh, go get worked on. But other than that, we're we're okay. <laughs> uh, well, uh, over or under five stitches, or did you get staples? Well, they were going to do staples. He said they'd probably take two or three staples, and he asked me how long I was going to be gone. I told him I'd be at fork, and he said, "Well, he said you're going to be that long." He said this will be the deepest one I've ever tried, but he said I'm going to try to glue it, and uh, so he went ahead and glued it up. <laughs> Good night. You think you're close to a concussion there? Yeah, he said, did you lose consciousness? I said, no. He said, well, it's really deep. So I was like, well, I, I, I hit it really hard, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, well, we worked out, and we got everything finally finished and uh, going to continue pumping water today as soon as I get down there. So how many acres of corn and how many acres of rice you got? I've got uh, around 10 acres of corn. Um, rice, maybe half an acre. Yeah. Uh, we, we only flood about three four five acres of water in that thing so i've got a lot of corn around it as cover crop and uh, the rest is actually for eating yeah so you, do you bush hog it down or just let it fall in the water i did uh well <clears throat> we let it all stand until yeah. the season gets over with and then we bush hog it all down which i'm i'm going to try to find somebody to come in and buy it this year and cut it because man you got so much residual crop that comes back up after you bush hog it that you have to disc it 15 times just to kill it out you know mm -hmm. and i had to deal with that but um hopefully we can find somebody to come in there and combine it and take it and use it for cattle feed or something now how was early season for you did you get out and do any goose hunting we went, uh, I got, I got to hunt twice. One, one time it, it rained the entire morning. They didn't fly till real late and it was open day of dove season two. So we left out of there and went and killed a bunch of doves and had a good shoot. Had David Walker up, not to fall and a bunch of other local fishermen. And we, uh, we killed a bunch of doves. And then the second time we went to do something, we really shot them good. I think we, we might've limited out or just short. We had a five man limit uh, on, the, on another place I own. And, uh, it, uh, it was a good shoot. Who's a better shot out of y'all? Out of out of out of you, of Walker, not who's a better shot? Well, considering Ott's never picked up a gun until like the last <laughs> two years, uh, it would probably be uh, me or Walker. Walker Walker's just a, you know steady, calm and steady all the time. So, and, uh, did you shoot Ott's limit for him or? 
Uh, well, I'm not sure who shot Ops Limit because we, we just put him down there in the corner with his son, Parker, and uh, he came back with some birds. We didn't ask any questions, and we just piled them up and started cleaning them. <laughs> I hear you. I like, I like friends like Ops to go hunting with me. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm going to help you out, big guy. That's right. Let's uh, keep shooting. Yep, that's right. The Limit Getters. You need them. Yes, exactly. So what? Let's get into wintertime. You got that three or four acres flooded up. You, you got a standing, or you got a blind built. What, what's your setup? What are you looking at? Decoy spread and all that stuff. Yeah, we uh, we built a six man blind right in the middle of two rice holes, and rice holes are like uh, fifty yards long by I can't remember how wide they are. Um, and we'll go in and and widen some of it out with some, some corn, chop down some corn, widen it out a little bit on the sides. But uh, yeah, we got a six man blind. And last year, a reason we did that this year, last year I had so much open water that they could land 350 yards down this way or 150 yards down this way. And so this year I wanted to give them just two options. So I opened up two big rice holes and a six-man blind uh, camoed in with some sorghum right in the middle of both. So hopefully what comes in is going to be in shooting range and we're going to see how it works and hopefully it works out well. What kind of spread do you throw out there? Dude, we don't use a whole lot. We mm-hmm. just maybe throw out maybe uh, ten decoys on each side. Not nothing, no no real big spreads. I mean, we don't get like uh, you know a group of five hundred mallards coming over that really needs a bunch of uh, decoys to come in. We we get uh, we might like every morning I'll have a hundred to hundred fifty mallards to try to get in the hole. And other than that, the rest of the day you might see a group of five, a group of ten, a group of three. You know, so we don't use big spreads, but. We try to use some jerk strings and, you know, about 10 decoys each side, and we'll see how it works out. Now, if you ever need help getting a jerk string set up, Tim Tim's pretty good at it. <laughs> the the uh, the jerk guy on the side, put yeah. him in there in the corner and let him pull. That's right. Brian is not really a believer of a jerk cord, but I think it's one of the most effective things anywhere you go. It's no, motion, no it's rippling water, and I get tired of kicking after a while. No, no question. Yeah, you got to have a jerk swing. <laughs> Thank you. In a blind, Tim. He's talking about in a blind. You need it anywhere you go. No, you don't. Well, we'll beg to differ on that. I don't even think I saw 150 mallards last year. I didn't. I, I mean, yeah, I'm counting I everything I saw in Ducks Unlimited magazine, TV, and what we saw hunting. I don't think we still hit 150. Yeah, that, that you know, last year was the first year I had this place built. And, uh, you know, every morning – they would pile in there and i mean i mean we wouldn't even shoot because there'd be a hundred of them in the hour air and 15 on the water and they're still coming so we never would shoot them and then we'd have to still learning how to hunt the deal you know mm-hmm. and we'd, have, we'd have to bust them out of there either let the dog run around and get them out of there and flush them out and try to get them trickling back in is the is the key but uh yeah every morning man it's like you know we don't have a lot of feed places around here and once they found it they just first thing in the morning they're all coming Oh, that's awesome. How'd your dog do last year? Oh, he's great, man. He's uh he's ready to go right now at any moment. I'm how, you, how old is I he? He's two. Two. He's two. So got two seasons. Did you hunt him the, the first year or just take him out there with you? Yeah, I hunted him uh he was uh about nine months old on his first goose hunt. And it was funny him being nine months old, he'd go out there and just try to grab a wing and pull it back. And, you know, he's kind of cautious about geese. He'd run up to it, kind of sniff it, pull it back. You know, I wanted to get him some experience. And 
by the time he was, you know, over a year old, the next goose season, the first one, he just goes out there and just slams it and brings it back, you know. So it's funny how their confidence level gets better with age. And he, uh, he's been a great dog. He's a good, he's a good pet, but he's a good hunter too. Now, what are you shooting when you're out there? What kind of shotgun? What kind of choke set up? What kind of shells are you running? I shoot, uh, I shoot a Browning A5. Uh, I've got a Rob Roberts T2 choke in it. And, uh, I've been, last year I shot the Migra ammunition, uh, that stack loads for two, four stack loads. Yeah. I really like those, those hit hard. Uh, and that's, that was my setup. You like that a five I've shot a couple and I've really liked it. I just haven't pulled the trigger on one. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a good gun. I, I'm not going to be honest. I, I had some issues with it at first where it wouldn't cycle three and a half, but I sent it back to them. And ever since I've got it back, it's been, it's been fail proof. So, uh, I, I like again. I've always shot Browning, and I've got a backup Browning Gold that I keep just in case anything goes wrong. But it, it's uh, they've been good guns for me. Now, are you calling in your blind, or you got someone that you like like to let call? Uh, usually, I'm a, I'm a, I'm the one that calls it. Um, a lot of the other guys I hunt with, they don't they don't call at all. You calling the so, shot too? The get well, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> The uh, the good thing, you know, the, the cool thing about hunting East Tennessee is usually when you're killing birds, it's it's always new birds, and dude, a lot of times you don't even have to blow a call. They just they visually see decoys and they're sucking in. So that's the only benefit to, fit, to hunting out here. But there's at times you have to call them well to get them to work. What kind of call you run? I run Echoes, uh, and man, those are those are awesome people uh, out there. Jonathan, I call him Jonathan Duck. He always hooks me up with calls, and and uh, of course Rick Dunn's an awesome guy. And I, every time I'm out in Arkansas, I try to go to BB and visit him. Yeah, that's all we ever blow. So that's what, that's gonna be my next question. You've got that that set up there at home, but do you make any trips to go go to Arkansas or go anywhere else to go duck hunting throughout the season? Yeah, I've got a buddy out there that I met through uh, Frog Dogs, uh, Rusty Creasy. And if you don't. If you don't know rusty you can follow him on uh, instagram or facebook he's all the time posting something but uh good hunter but he actually manages the coca-cola woods which is some of the most prestigious timber you can hunt in america and uh fortunate enough that he invites me down occasionally and i get to hunt that and uh, you know he's very knowledgeable he's grew up duck hunting and since he's a kid and and there's different styles of, that's the cool thing about duck hunting is it's different styles of hunting where you're hunting here it's different than hunting in arkansas or it's different than hunting in middle tennessee it's mm. funny how i approaches it different mm. and i've learned i've learned a lot from him and uh you know he's been the inspiration of this food plots that i've got in and, and how to do it and if i have a question i always call him and we're getting we're getting busy more and more we were not leaning on him as much so we're learning and uh like i said if you uh if you get a chance go follow him he's a there's always something you can learn on there. I tell you, I've been watching some videos the last couple of years. <clears throat> I'm thinking about I'd like to go to Idaho and do some of those duck hunts out there. They look pretty neat. Just hundreds and hundreds of acres with a pond right in the middle, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. The only water around, they kill them. That's right. Now, have you have you been to Argentina or anything like that on a, on a hunt? I have not. I've not been out of the states and hunting. What's your favorite kind of duck to kill? I probably mallard man. I, it's hard to hard not like kill mallards. Uh, I love pintails too, but uh, mallards are probably my favorite. Have you ever done that like uh, North American like Grand Slam list and started to check stuff off? No, I haven't. About what you kill or yeah, there's like fifty three types of waterfowl in North America. 
and like they have like this list and you can submit a picture or whatever and once you get them all they send you a plaque or something like that no kidding no i haven't done that well there's like one and you got to go to alaska to get that king elder or yeah there's one oddball king outer yeah yeah there's two you got to get in alaska and they're like those hunts are booked up three years in advance but it's crazy to see those hunts yeah that's cool on the middle of like bluff walls on the ocean, it's crazy. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna do that no, before I die. I haven't, I haven't done that. I've still got a few on my list. I would like to shoot like a harlequin or something like that, but I've, I've killed many of them. Pintails are pretty. I like pintails. Yeah, they are very pretty. Yeah, a canvas back is a is a pretty duck too. It is. It Y'all is. get any canvas over there? I've shot canvas backs here, but I've only shot them one time, and I've only seen them here uh maybe two or three times now that being said i'm a river hunter mm-hmm. so a lot of them stay on the lakes and they'll bounce lake to lake so mm-hmm. but i have shot them on the river and usually it takes a real cold weather to get them to come down here well you need dang to knock them down too them jokers are hard they are they are and it took me several years to kill a golden eye and about two or three years ago we had a we had golden eyes that stayed here for over a month on one place and we got to shoot some so I got the golden hide away. Well, that's a hard one to get. Did you see any uh, cans at Gunnersville when you were there? Uh, actually, I, I might have saw one that looked like it had been there all year. I yep. don't think it could fly. But other than that, I didn't see any migratories. But when we were at uh, when we were at Gunnersville, we had that one cold front hit. And it's like highs in the 40s, and it really got cold at night. And all of a sudden, the next day, there was coots everywhere that come in with that thing. So. Mm-hmm. You know, Seth Fighter called me, and they've got uh, they've got all kinds of snow, and above them in Candace ice, and it won't be long. They'll they'll be uh, they'll be migrating through. It's got to be nice to have that place this year because I feel like with the travel bans to Canada and stuff, we're going to see a lot more people on public land this year hunting. Probably so, and the, and the good thing is that we can't go to Canada. I think that's going to be a, a lot more birds for us in the states. They're you know they're not going to kill a half a million of them before they get down here. So I think it's going to be a good year for all of us. As long as it stays cold. That's right. We need some cold weather, and it's not starting off good because November is going to be sixties and seventies. So yeah, it's weird. Everything is so late. Heck, we saw a mayfly hatch in like August this year. Isn't that crazy? It's nuts. When uh when are you packing up and heading to Fork? I think Thursday, and I, at same deal. I'm going to go out there to Rusty's and uh, and help him brush in some blinds and and help him do that for a day or two, and then probably leave uh, leave there on Sunday and get down to Fork Sunday evening and start fishing Monday. Get ready for it. That's right. You got everything packed, or you, have you touched anything since you got back from Chick? I, I usually pack about an hour before I leave. An hour? <laughs> How many phone calls home because you forgot something? Several. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to need you to overnight me this. It'll be like some random spoon sitting on a sitting on a desk top somewhere. I need that spoon. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, especially with tackle. I mean, everyone's been fishing this year. It seems like tackle warehouse is doing everything they can to get stuff in stock, but a lot of the stuff is is on low supply. So forgetting stuff can't be can't be a good feeling right now. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's been a, I tell you, I couldn't believe how many people were fishing Gunnersville while we were down there, but it was unreal. And, uh, or excuse me, not Gunnersville, but Chickamauga. There mm-hmm. was, you couldn't find a place to fish. And, uh, that, that also helped, helped the weights be a little tougher than what they should be. But, uh, it was amazing how many people's out on the water. Well, there was a kayak deal. There was a, 
was there Angler's Choice something like right after y'all? So there's probably guys practicing. Angler's Choice Championship, kayak, CBA. There's all kinds of stuff going on. Did you have anybody come in on you? I, uh, to be honest with you, man, I had uh, I had a guy throwing a buzz bait all around my boat the first day of the tournament, and uh, really aggravated me. And you know, I try to look at it as being a Christian as much as I can, and and not trying to chew this guy out. But I'm thinking the same thing. If this guy catches a four pounder right in front of my boat, I'm going to be furious. <laughs> and uh, so I I left this guy, and I only had about twenty minutes to fish. I left this grass mat, and I ran to another one. I'm just I'm going down the bank just looking. I haven't fished any of this stuff. And I look, but tucked behind this island is this little small grass grass patch. And I, I pull in there and pull in there and I'm making, I fish it for 20 minutes, whatever. And I only saw one fish. There was one fish that looked like about a four pounder that broke on a brim. Just come up and smoked a brim right beside the boat in this grass patch. I never could get it to bite. And I'm like, what the heck on it? So I had to run back, weighed in, had like nine pounds, whatever, which was pretty good. And, uh, so the next day I catch a limit pretty earlier and I've got like an hour to go and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to run down there to that grass patch. And I ran all the way down there to where I seen that fish blow up and I caught it. I'm like third catch. It's like a three and a quarter, three and a half. And that just goes, when things are running your way, things are running your way because I never had a bite down there, but I just saw a fish and luckily caught that sucker the second day of the tournament. It gave me about 12 pounds. Isn't that crazy? The implications someone can have on, on y'all say, I mean, no one owns the water. I get that. But had that guy not been there, you may have not run down there and found that fish. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. When it's going your way, it's going your way. And uh, it worked out for the better that day. And that fish can mean 10 points at the end of the year. Oh, yeah. And, and in that tournament, it, it was probably more like 20 points, you know. Right. I mean, that's crazy, that the effect that when you – what's that movie, The Butterfly Effect, where one yeah. thing happens and affects everything else? Yes. That's crazy. So only one little run-in down there then? Yeah, and I didn't didn't really have a run in. I mean, I didn't say anything to the guy other than he asked me if I was catching him. I said, "Well, you must have a big tournament today," and he was like, "No, man, just out here fishing." And I'm, <laughs> he, he goes, "He goes, are you catching him?" And I just look at him dead in the eye and just go right back to fishing. Never said a word. I'm just trying to let him understand. I'm very frustrated with what you're doing right now. <laughs> you can't and say nothing nice. Don't say nothing at all, right? Exactly. You're probably going to cost me money if you catch one. I don't know how you're understanding this and you're practicing. If you just move out of the way, I'm going to show you what lives here. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> man. But it worked out, and we had a good tournament, and uh, we come out of there with a, a small angle to your lead. Well, no, that's awesome, and uh, man, I know you got to be pumped about that going into the final year or final event of the year. Yeah, it's going to be a shootout, man. There's about five or six people that can win it. And, you know, whoever catches them best in there, whoever makes the top ten is probably going to do it. And Hopefully I'm blessed enough to uh, to finish there. Well, looking at your track record, I mean, every year you come back, it seems like you're doing better and better. I mean, you got to just feel like this momentum is going to keep rolling. I hope so. And, and uh, it took me a long time to get experience on these lakes because, again, the only thing I knew going into Elite Series was Sherry Ken Douglas. And it's just – it takes you a while to learn how they set up and how they relate to this and that and, you know, how to fish grass. And it's taking a long time. So it's, uh, you know, I'm happy that it's going in the right direction. Like I said, happy I have an opportunity to do well. Well, you got to feel good. I mean, cashing checks in every event. What, what's your lowest like? You follow was probably the lowest this year, wasn't it? 
Yeah, and there, you know, I, I lost a six-pounder at my hand the first day. And, you know, you talk, well, I've talked to Walker about it several times. It's your your year can make or break off one bite. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I look back at that one bite there. You know, if I catch that one bite, that's going to, you know, and the fish I lose at Champlain don't cost me as much because I know it cost me from winning. It only cost me four points. But if I, if I catch that one six-pounder at, at Ufala, you know, that's going to move me up at least 20 points right there because uh, it was tight weights and I barely missed a cut. And and funny thing is, Drew Benton ended up going to catch that same fish out of the same brush pile the fourth day. Really? Yeah, and, he, and I think he weighed it in and weighed like 6'4 or something like that. And uh, mm. and uh, so it can, your year can make or break off one bite. And, you know, fortunate enough, the rest of the years kind of went my way. Well, I think your your uh, composure after Champlain, I know we're not trying to bring up old wounds, but the way you fought through that and then still kept rolling on right into St. Clair, kept it going, Gunnersville, still top 40, fishing day three, Santee and eight. I mean, bouncing back and didn't let it rattle you too much. Yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't let it rattle you. I mean, you, you just got to be thankful you got the opportunity to win because those things are hard enough to win in the first place and the uh, – you know, it's it's a good good feeling. Know you had it won, and you're doing the right things and making the right adjustments to to win. So that's the only that's the positive positives you come out with it. Well, wins are great, but AOIs are are what everyone covets. What's and say that again? I said wins are great, but AOIs are what everyone covets. Oh, I mean, that's exactly. that's a mark of a of a hell of a year, not just one tournament. That's true. That's true. And so far, we've had that. So so outside of just uh. I mean, working the rest of the trail this year. What 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 did you do during the off season when you guys had that break after you follow? Uh, man, just worked on the farm. You know, got the got your got stuff planted uh, easier this year. Uh, got it planted on time. You know, I didn't. I fished a couple tournaments on Douglas, just a little Saturday mornings deal, but I didn't fish much at all. Uh, pretty much just worked on the farm. Pretty therapeutic for you. Yeah, I, I enjoy it, man. I love playing in the dirt, and uh, I've got got a lot of stuff done, and still got a lot of stuff to do. But it's been a, it was different, you know. We were we were uncertain if we weren't going to even get to fish, so it's been a, it's been great that we've got to fish, and looks like we're going to finish out the season where we didn't know we could do that. Mm-hmm. No, that's great to finally get everything in, and uh, definitely put a new spin on it, having some fall fishing. Would you be up for uh, for them doing that again next year? Uh, would I want them to do it that way? Yeah. Or, no. No. Because I, I love to hunt, and I want to be hunting right now, and I don't want to be fishing. All right. Well, what if we went all the way up to, like, early season, maybe? maybe. That'd be okay. Okay. Be, yeah. So you're definitely going out on the 28th, then? Yes, that would be fine. All well, right. While you've been traveling the country, have, have you found us another quarterback to go play at UT? Oh, my gosh. It's funny. I roll up to the uh, roll up to the ramp. And I, I was going to. I set an alarm while I'm fishing Chickamauga to listen to the Kentucky game, and uh, I've got three keepers by noon, and I'm so excited. I've got those three keepers. I'm like, I forgot all about it. <laughs> and and uh, of course, I go on. I can't catch another keeper. But the uh, the kid that I had basketball in high school shows up the way, and he's got a Kentucky shirt on, and I was like. Uh, Hey, what was the score of the game? He's like thirty four seven or something like that. And I was like, Man, I thought Kentucky keep it a little closer than that. Just, oh, they did, they won. Like, oh man. What? You gotta be kidding me. 
but was I really surprised? No. I mean, uh, you can't be surprised at anything of being a Vols fan anymore. No, anymore. Well, Auburn, man, we're just – I'm going to say we're lucky and leave it at that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but our quarterback situation is, is not good. Uh, but what is good right now? Defense line's not playing good. Offense line's not playing good. Uh, I, I don't understand. And we've, we've had great recruiting, and we seem like we have some talent there, but it's uh, just not showing up. But I, it, 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 it makes you wonder how bad the rest of the quarterbacks are they're backing up if, if he's the one starting every week. That's what I'm concerned with. So it's just funny how like Georgia can get a walk on JUCO that comes out and play lights out, and and we've got a eighteen year uh, senior <laughs> that, can't, that can't complete a, uh, a simple slant over the middle. Well, you know? I, I've come to the conclusion he's colorblind; he can't understand which jersey's which. I mean, you, you know, I hate to I hate to talk about a, a guy or whatever else, but he does struggle. It's it's simple and. Uh, I think the the reporter in Chattanooga who did the sports cast with the round peg and square hole or whatever it was, he he said no matter how many times this happens, it's not going to fit. And he said that's about like sending uh, Garantano out on the field. You're not going to win any ball games. Yeah. Well, balls Auburn. Uh, we'll just call it a rebuilding year. There's I guess. always next year. Yeah. Yeah, and there's two things I don't want to hear in the off season anymore. I don't want to hear how cold of a winter we're going to have. Mm-hmm. Early happens, and I don't want to hear how good the balls are going to be in the in the fall. So. That's right. Well, you're a basketball guy too, so you're. I mean, what, what are you a balls fan, or you got got another team? You know, I, I follow the balls more now that Barnes is there, and uh, you know, Fulkerson. I had him in high school, and had his brother in high school, and uh, so I follow them a little bit more now. But I've been a I've been a Duke Coach K fan for since I could walk, and I, mm-hmm. I follow them pretty heavy and. He's always had a great program there, so that's uh, that's the ones I watch most. But yeah, I've been watching more balls basketball here lately. Coach K is a heck of a coach. He is. He is. So how how cool is that? that some some kids you've coached are now playing at the college level. You know, at, the, at D one college level. Yeah, it's it's neat. Uh, and Fulkerson always had a. Uh, he's always played at a, a high level as far as very energetic, brings a lot to the table, and that's what's got him by. He. he if he wasn't like that, he wouldn't have made it. But he he brings it uh, every game, and he you know he plays uh, he plays hard, and that's that's what all you can ask a kid. Did Did you know he had it when you had him? Yeah, I mean, it, there's hard to hard to get kids that are six 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 seven be yeah. that athletic and that quick, and you know uh, that plays hard. And yeah, he he definitely had it. I've had other kids that just didn't have the drive. They probably had the athletic ability, but just didn't have the drive to to want to do it. And uh, he seemed to always had that. That's pretty neat. Well, look, we know you got to pack. Uh, I guess Thursday the the time clock's <laughs> ticking now, so to save you some UPS overnight fees, we probably better let you go. And uh, <laughs> man, good luck at Fork, and uh, hope this uh, this farm works out too for you again this year. Yeah, me too. Uh, you know, everything there has went good this year, and much like on the water, everything I haven't had any issues. Boat's been great this year. Motor's been great this year, and everything's performed flawless. And that's uh, that's what it takes to. Uh, to have success, and that's what we've had this year. So, hopefully, we continue, and uh, we'll see where that ends us up. Real quick, have you and uh, Drew just lined up your seven twenty ones to see who's who's is faster? They're pretty close the same. I think I'm. I, I might be a little bit faster. I'm not sure. I had mine running at uh, at Chickamauga that morning. Morning, it got real cold. It was doing like seventy six, and I think he said he could only get seventy four something out of his. So I, 
I might have him a little. I'm probably running a little lighter tackle than he is too. But uh, I've enjoyed that boat this year. It's the first year I've been in one. I've been very, uh, very pleased with it. Rides good, runs good, and it's a great boat. I hope it continues <laughs> continues for one more tournament. Well, <laughs> I, I do think boats. Uh, every year you get one that'll just catch them a little bit better. So glad you got one that'll catch them for you. Absolutely. Yeah, me too. Well, shoot, man. Well, we appreciate the time, and uh, good luck, and holler if you need anything, buddy. All right. Thanks for having me on, guys. Right. See you, David. You See you, too. buddy.